for the next four weeks, spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and I said last week as well, this, can be, this topic can be a bit scary sometimes. We call it the other guy because often we don't talk about him. Often we sort of just talk about Jesus and the Father and sort of leave the Holy Spirit because sometimes he's a bit too strange and a bit too difficult. And, and we're saying over these four weeks, we want to really go on a journey together as we look at the Scriptures, as we seek God, and we do that in discussion and working together. But at the same time, like Dave said a couple of weeks ago, Dave, Dave talked about the, the thumbprint of God in this place. And one of the big things is that if you don't agree with any of this, you're welcome. That you don't have to have the same view of us on some of this stuff. That, that we agree on Jesus and we, we, we agree on the, the fundamentals of the Holy Spirit, but maybe some of the details of how that works. If you disagree, that's okay. And you're welcome. And we're going to journey through this and work through this together. So last week, one of the big things that came through was that the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus and that we really need Him. And this week, we're going to go and, and start to look at the book of Corinthians and start to talk tonight specifically about spiritual gifts. Um, but before we do that, I just want to talk to you about something that, that was my experience um, growing up. Some of you guys, most of you guys know this, unless, unless you don't really know me very well. If you, if you don't really know me and you only see me up here, you, you might think of me like this. there's this other person who thought of me. And I, I used to run this running group park run, some of you guys know, and I would stand up the front and I'd do the announcements and I'd, and I'd sort of lead it and tell people what to do. And this, this person mostly saw me doing that. He mostly saw me in my role, speaking up the front, talking to people, welcoming people. But then I went to this party and when I go to a party, I, I pretty much sit down and stay pretty quiet. And I, I talk to one person, I don't really say much. And this guy was confused. He was, he was sort of thinking, oh, I thought you were going to be the life of the party. You're going to be sort of talking to everyone. I'm like, no, that's just not me. Like, I'm an introvert. Like, and and if, you haven't, if you only know like, this side of me, you, probably, you might not know that. But, but I'm, I'm a quiet person, generally. I don't, I don't like being loud. I don't like being the life of the party. And even more so in school, even more so growing up as a kid, I was very quiet shy, didn't like talking in front of people, I was an introvert, but on top of that, being an introvert was not a very good thing. At least I didn't feel like it was. Growing up, I felt like being an extrovert, being loud, being able to talk, being the life of the party, like that's, that's good. Being quiet, shy, not really talking to many people, that's, that's bad. And I, and I would often feel inferior being an introvert. It's just my personality that's given by God but it would feel inferior, feel not, not good enough, would feel not like it should be, that I should be different to what I am. Growing up, though, sort of worked through some of that stuff and started to find out there's actually a lot of good things about being an introvert. And I even read this book that came out a little while ago. It's called Quiet. Um, it's by, by a woman who's just done a stack of studies. She's an introvert, and she's done this study about actually a lot of presidents, a lot of leaders, a lot of influential people are introverts. And I started to read this and started to realize, oh, wow. That I sort of thought extroverts do everything, but actually being an introvert is pretty good. There's actually a lot of benefits. There's actually a lot of, lot of differences. And then, I don't think this really happened to me, but, but could, you could see it happening. It can get to a point where I think, oh, well, maybe introverts are better than extroverts. I'm great. This is the best. Actually, the introverts trump, and, and that wasn't a, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and 
and get this sort of feeling of superiority then, that, that, that this is actually the better place to be. This is actually the better personality. And you've probably experienced this in some sense, whether it's with personality or whether it's with talents or skills or circumstances, that there's times in life when you look at other people, you look at other things, and you feel inferior. You feel excluded. You feel like you should be like them. What you are is not good. But maybe you've also experienced times in your life where you look at yourself and you feel pretty good and you look at other people and you think that they don't have what you have and you feel superior and you look down on them and you judge them and think that, that they should be more like me. And, and this can be sort of a common feeling and emotion that we feel in life when there's difference and we compare ourselves to each other. And this can happen in the church as well. Especially like if, if maybe you've never been to church before and you come in and there's all these strange spiritual people who know God, you can imagine that you might feel quite inferior. Or if you've never been to church before and you come and you see all these weird, silly people who are believing in God, you might feel superior and think they're so silly they're believing in God. Or if, you, or if you're a Christian and you've been in church for a long time and... and maybe even some of the stuff that we're going to start to talk about today to do with, with God doing things in our lives, whether they be powerful things, miraculous things, whether, whether he, some of these gifts of the Spirit that we're going to talk about, things like speaking in tongues or healings that the Bible talks about. Maybe, maybe you've, you've experienced some of these things in your life and seen that other people don't and feel superior to them. I feel like this is the true Christianity, this is the right Christianity, these people are not doing the right thing. But maybe you've been one of those people who you haven't had an experience or you haven't had a, 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 a sort of something that looks like what someone else has and you begin to feel inferior and you begin to think maybe I'm not even spiritual, maybe I don't even have the Holy Spirit, maybe I'm not even a Christian because I don't, what I have is not like what they have. And, and, and in church and in Christianity we can often flick in these sort of these modes of, of inferiority or superiority, or they can often be, be like um, sections of churches where one is feeling inferior, one is feeling superior. And, and how do we deal with this? Because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and, and maybe, even, maybe even already that's sort of pulling, pulling up some of these feelings. D Dave and I yesterday went to a conference down at Living Faith about the Holy Spirit, and, and I was thinking about all this stuff I'm going to tell you guys tonight, but as soon as someone started teaching, I started to feel inferior straight away. I started to feel, feel worried, like, oh, I haven't had that. But how do we make sense of this? Do you know what's really interesting? Is that we're going to read from the book of Corinthians soon, and it seems like they had the same problem. This is this church that, was, that, that Paul started, and, and crazy things were happening in this church. Actually, wasn't, there was lots of bad things happening in this church. There was lots of immaturity. There was lots of issues and there was lots of problems. But he talks about them having lots of spiritual gifts and, and, and the Holy Spirit doing lots of amazing things. And as we read through Corinthians, we're going to see that there's, there's things that have been happening in this church. But it seems like the same things have not been happening for everybody. And this has caused some problems. There's some people who have, have maybe had an experience of God and they've started to believe that this is what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit. We are the truly spiritual people. If you don't look like us, you're not spiritual. 
And there's other people who, who have not had that experience and are feeling neglected or excluded. Or are thinking, no, they're wrong. That's just not right. That's just not even of God. And they're feeling superior in, in looking down on that. And in the book of Corinthians, Paul is answering some questions as, as he goes through. And, and we don't know what the questions are, but I was reading one scholar this week, and, and the way he framed it was like maybe at Corinth there was these two groups, and the question is almost in two parts that they're asking Paul. One group is saying, Paul, this is right. Hey, to be spiritual is to have these things happening. This is what a spiritual person is. Aren't, aren't we right? And another group is saying, that can't be right. That's not what a spiritual person is. We know that's not what a spiritual person is, right, Paul? And that they're looking to him to bring some answer to this problem and at the same time to fix this issue that the church has got these divisions and people feeling excluded and people feeling superior and, and where are we going to go from that and how are we going to deal with that. So what we're going to do tonight is, is go through 1 Corinthians 12 and I want, I want to take you through and just look at what does Paul say to this church and I think in a lot of ways it really almost speaks directly into, into how we might sometimes feel today in that sort of inferiority or, or superiority as well. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to go through 1 Corinthians 12. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that it speaks into our hearts. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would pierce our hearts with your word tonight. God, that you'd bring freedom, that you'd bring joy, you'd grow us together in unity and just do what you want to do in each person here. We just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12. This is how Paul starts. So he starts concerning spiritual gifts. So he's saying like, You've asked me this question, I'm going to start to answer it now. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. What he's saying is, is you used to be pagans, and you didn't know anything then. You didn't understand. You hadn't thought through things. I don't want you not to understand. I want you to understand. I want you to think through these things. I'm going to actually inform you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to help you. And then it's so interesting. Paul straight away cuts to the heart and, and, and answers this deep question, what is a spiritual person? Who is a spiritual person? Who has the Holy Spirit? This is what he says. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. This is what we talked about last week, right? We talked about the Holy Spirit is sent to continue Jesus' work. The Holy Spirit points everyone to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit would never, ever cause someone to say Jesus is accursed. But on the other hand, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, anyone can say Jesus is Lord. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that if you can genuinely say Jesus is Lord, Jesus the man who was crucified is risen, and he's my saviour, and I believe him. If you can genuinely confess that, that is the test of whether you're a spiritual person. If that is true, you have the Holy Spirit. Over. He straight away, he, he brings it back to Jesus, and he says, those who have the Holy Spirit are those who have faith in Christ. What's the test of whether someone has the Spirit? That they have genuine faith in Jesus. And it's so interesting, Paul straight away cuts into that question that they're, they're saying and says, look, it's about Jesus. If you believed in Jesus, you've received the Spirit, you have the Spirit. It's not, it's not these, these things that show you have the Spirit. 
And, and, and some of you tonight maybe even have felt this, have felt, I, I haven't had some amazing experience of God. Maybe I don't even have the Holy Spirit. But if you have genuine faith in Jesus, not just believing intellectual facts, but if you have put your faith in Him, if you've known Him, if you've been born again, you have the Spirit. You are a spiritual person. God is with you. God is in you. It doesn't, you don't have to have an amazing particular experience to know that. But there's still issues, and Paul keeps going, because there's still this issue of variety. Well, if we all have the Spirit, if we confess Jesus, why does it look different? Why is he doing this in these people and not in these people? Why, why do some people look like they've, they've got some amazing encounter with God and other people just seem to have really normal, natural things going on? And Paul keeps going to, to bring answers to this problem. This is what he says. I want you to, as we read through this, I want you to think about two things. And, and it'll come through really, really clear. There is variety, but there's something that's the same. This is what he says. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So Paul is saying, you're right, there's varieties. And Paul even broadens the varieties. He's saying there's variety of gifts, but there's also a variety of service. And when you think of service, service is much more humble than, than maybe a spectacular gift. It's varieties of ways to serve, varieties of activities. But the thing that's common among all of them, that these are things that the Spirit is doing. So there's different things, but it's the same Spirit. There's variety, but it's the same God. And that everyone has been given something, everyone has something that they can do, empowered by the Spirit, but it's actually not for them, but it's for the common good. That, that, that he says, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good to all. But it's not for themselves, but it's for the benefit of everyone. So Paul is broadening their understanding He's broadening this variety, but he's trying to guide them into what's the purpose. And this is what we just take away from this just little quick, just those few verses, that all are given gifts. I actually don't know what I meant by that. Oh, all are given gifts. That's what it means. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. And now I look like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. All are given gifts. Good. So everybody, they're all from the same spirit. So there's a variety of the same spirit. There is a variety, and they are for the good of all. They're not for individual people. They're actually for the benefit of everybody. So this, this idea of like, I have a gift that shows that I'm spiritual and you're not, is just to completely misunderstand the purpose. Um, if you guys know the story of Narnia, unlike the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, there's this scene... Um, towards the end of it where Santa shows up. And, and it's at the, near, near the end, and, and the power of the white witch is, is going, and, and Christmas is coming, and Santa comes and he gives um, three of the children presents. He gives them gifts, like, like Christmas gifts. He gives Lucy this sort of juice that, that can heal and a dagger. He gives Peter a sword and a shield, and he gives Susan a bow and arrow. And he says to them, he's given them gifts, but he says something so interesting. He says to them, these are not toys, they're tools. 
And it's interesting, I was thinking about that today, like when we think of the word gift, like, like if we get given a gift at Christmas, it's ours. If you get given a gift at your birthday, it's yours. But I think a spiritual gift is much more like what Santa's talking about here. Like it's not, it's not a toy that you keep. Like, like God has given everybody something to use for the common good. It's not something to take and use for ourselves. It's not something to take and, and keep to ourselves. It's actually a tool that's for a purpose, and it's for the purpose and benefit of all. So then he keeps going, and he goes through, through a list of gifts in Corinthians 12. I'm just going to read through this. I'm not going to go through these in detail. I'm not going to tell you guys stories, because Dave did an awesome sermon this morning, and he went through these, and he told a stack of stories He's got a stack of experience, of experience about with this stuff. So if you want to know more about what this might look like, you can download the podcast from this morning. You can go on the website, listen to Dave's message, because um, he's got some really good stories about what this actually looks like as well. Or you could just ask him later as well. Um, so, but this list of, this has just some of the gifts, and it's not all of the gifts, which, which actually leads to this idea that, well, actually, maybe not all the gifts are in the Bible, because Paul lists them in different places, and they're not all there in each one. But, but Paul starts to list some of them. He says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Reading through that list, you can see there's some pretty amazing things that the Bible talks about. There's some th amazing things. Working of miracles, prophecy, distinguished between spirits, some, some, some powerful, miraculous things that the Holy Spirit can do through people. But it's interesting as well because some people say that even when it says utterance of wisdom and utterance of knowledge, this is not necessarily a, a powerful, miraculous thing, but could be a very natural thing that, that someone who has gained wisdom and knowledge of God is able to speak into a situation and the Holy Spirit is able to speak through that. But it may actually kind of appear quite normal, but it still reveals God. There's other, there's other passages in the Bible that talk about the gifts, and there's some really natural, normal things in them, like, like hospitality, like encouragement. Later on, there's one about administration or leadership or just being helping, helps. And, and Paul, again, is broadening their understanding of, of what a spiritual gift even is, that, that it's, not just, it's not just a supernatural amazing, miraculous thing that God does, but could be a very natural, normal talent and ability that someone has that the Holy Spirit can use. That, that God is not limited to supernatural, amazing things, but He's also not limited to natural things as well. That, that actually, He's trying to broaden their understanding throughout this whole passage. Um, Wayne Grunham, who's, who's a great theologian, has a quote, and this quote, again, has this broad understanding of what a spiritual gift actually is. This is what he says, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. It's the body of Christ. 
So it doesn't have to be a miraculous, amazing, supernatural thing. And, and it could be as well. I was even thinking, like, like, we've got so many musicians in our church. Many, many of you who are musicians have natural talent before you're a Christian. You, you were given that by God when you were born. In the same way, anyone who has a talent is still given it by grace. It's still God's gift of grace. And, and you've trained and you've learned and you've developed your skill and, and you can lead and sing and play and the Holy Spirit can work through that and empower that. And it can be a really natural, normal thing. I, I think I have the gift of teaching, but, but I think natural, I have a lot of natural teaching ability and I've got a lot of teaching ability that's, that's grown and developed but I think when I teach, often the Holy Spirit works through that and speaks through that as well. And you see that we don't have to have this strong um, polarity of like, this is the Holy Spirit because it's supernatural and powerful, and this is not. And then we don't have to go the other extreme, like the Holy Spirit only works in natural normal ways and not in supernatural ways. But Paul is broadening their understanding so it's bigger, that it's not, it's not limited to these ways. And, and I hope you guys are seeing that through this passage. It's really interesting because this is what he's doing the whole time. What he really wants to say to the Corinthians, what he's trying to do is take them from a very narrow, self-focused view of the Holy Spirit to a very broad, self-giving view of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's trying to take them from focusing on very specific gifts or, or workings and focusing on themselves to focusing on how vast God can work and that God can work supernaturally and naturally and one is not necessarily better than the other and that, that what it actually is about is self-giving anyway and not about comparing or individuals or, or, or making a name for oneself at all. Um, Will Eastwood has let me borrow his camera so I wanted to illustrate something with this today. I, 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 what, Will posted it, Will does a bit of photography, and he posted an awesome video on Facebook a little while ago. I think it's this camera, or it's one like it, that you can just be like, we could go out now and use it and zoom in and point it at the moon, and it zooms in, and when it gets so close, like watching this video, like, it gets close to the moon, and you can, like, see the moon. And I was thinking, like, that's, that's awesome. And then it goes even closer, and you can see the moon even closer. And then it zooms in even further, and you can see, like, the craters on the moon. And it's just like, this amazing zoom that this camera has, that it can just go right in and see the moon, even more so than that. Like, this is, that's just a picture that I found on the internet just to illustrate this. Like, this is not from that camera, but, but this, this video that Will posted, like, it went so close in. It looked like you're looking through a telescope. It was super zoomed in. But it's interesting that when you do that, say you have a camera and you zoom in on the moon, you can see it in great detail, but you can, if you're looking through that and all you can see is through that lens, you can't see anything else around it. You can imagine if you were super zoomed in on the moon like that, you cannot see all this other stuff that's around. You can just barely even see the moon up there. And this is what Paul is saying. This is what Paul is saying to them, that the Corinthians have zoomed in so far on a specific understanding of what the Holy Spirit looks like 
that a specific understanding of what a certain gift looks like, and, and, and they're getting stuck. And what he wants them to do is he wants them to broaden. He wants them to zoom out in their understanding. He wants them to have a bigger understanding that can encapsulate more of what God has and more of what God does. Because the, the problem that they're having with this inferiority and superiority is because they're so far zoomed in and they can't see what God has done. They're, they've limited what God has done. And that can be the case for us as well. That if, that if you've felt that before, if you've felt this inferiority or this superiority, maybe you've zoomed in too far on a specific understanding of what God might do and you've limited him to that. And you're unable to see the vastness that is around as well. Paul then, then, then shows that this is what he's trying to say. I'll just turn your camera off. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it. Um, this, then, then Paul shows and illustrates that this is what he's wanting to do because he's, he's been talking about specifics and now he shows that he wants to talk about the whole, he wants to talk about a body. And we go to this story that, that we've, we've actually read this a few times over the last few months, but it's just such a great story. And Paul's talking about how a body, a person's body, has lots of parts, but it's a one whole body. And what he wants them to do is start thinking about the whole. He wants them to zoom out and see the big picture. This is what he says, just as one body has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. So Paul is now going down the same path of saying there are lots of parts. There's lots of, lots of people and they're different, but I want you to see the whole I want you to see how it works all together. There's actually one spirit. There's actually one body. We've actually all got this in common. Now, if, if you're feeling inferior or the, to, the, to the Corinthians that were feeling inferior, were feeling like because I'm not experiencing something like someone else, I, I'm not spiritual or God has forgotten me, this is what Paul says. He, 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 he talks as if like a part of the body thinks the same way. For the body does not consist of one member of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Do you, do you find it interesting? This is what, he, what he's saying is, look, look, if you feel like you're not a part of this because you don't look like someone else, just feeling that doesn't make it true. It's actually not true. You're just saying that you, because you don't look like them, you're not, you're not a part. But actually, it doesn't change the fact that you actually are a part, is what he's saying. If the foot should feel, I'm not a hand, so I'm not a part, he's saying, it doesn't, that doesn't change anything. It doesn't make it any less a part. It is a part. If the eye, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less apart. What he's talking about is feeling inferior, looking at someone else and, and seeing what they have, seeing the gift that they have, seeing the experience that they have, seeing in the personality that they have, seeing just the place in life that they are, and thinking that God has forgotten me. That because it doesn't look like that. And, and, and he keeps going, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of of smell, but as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. That, that the gifts, that the, the, the places that he's put us is how he's chosen. If all were a single member, 
Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. He's saying that if you're thinking that you have to look like that, imagine if everyone looked like that, then there would be no body, there would be no different parts. He'll see how he, wants, he keeps pulling them back to this big picture. So he's saying the problem is that they've zoomed in. So if you zoom in on things that you're not experiencing, or on gifts you don't have, you'll feel inferior. If, 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 if you're looking through the camera and you're only looking at those things, you, you'll think what I have, my, my experience, the gifts that God has given me, are not good, are not worthwhile. This is, this is just, just to link this and illustrate this some more, this is just an awesome quote from Einstein, which just illustrates the same thing. He says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. And it's the same thing. Like, you might be someone who has an amazing gift of encouragement, that, that you can encourage people, and the Holy Spirit can speak into their lives in amazing ways. But you might look at someone who has a gift of prophecy, who, who, who God can, can reveal things to people and, and they can encourage them really supernaturally. And you think, well, because I don't have that, then God has just forgotten me. My, my gift's not really valued. I should be like that. And, and, and if you zoom in on that, you, you miss the fact that God has given you something that's really valuable and, and really important and can really be, be used by the Spirit. Which, which you think, that's what matters. It doesn't matter how amazing it is. It matters who's doing it, that it's the Spirit that's doing it. Or, or you might be someone who, who is, is really gifted in, in serving and helping or in, in hospitality or in generosity, things that maybe don't seem like they have much attention sometimes. Because often, often it's the, the, the same powerful, supernatural, amazing or upfront gifts that get the attention. And you, and you might be feeling like, that, that, that I'm not a part of the body, that God has just forgotten me, when he may have given you an amazing gift that God can really reveal himself through you to other people. But you've missed it because you're too zoomed in. Paul then starts to talk to the people who may be in the other side, who are feeling superior, who, who are thinking, uh, we have the right way, we have the gifts, God is the ones with us, and these people are not. And this is, then he's, he keeps using this idea of the body to illustrate that the ridiculousness of this. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He's showing if you think about the big picture, you, you might have a certain gift or a certain experience or a certain, certain talent. If, if you think that that's superior and therefore you don't need anybody else, it's like cutting off your hands and your feet. That, that if, if you think about the whole that the whole body, that the gift is not for you but to give and we all need each other, then, then there's, there's no superiority. There's, there's no looking down on someone else, especially if God has given it to them. It, just, because maybe, just because maybe it's not like this amazing supernatural thing, it's still empowered by the Spirit. It may just look very natural. This, this can happen on the other side, though, as well, which, which can kind of be a superiority from, from believing God doesn't do anything powerful and, and supernatural. And it's kind of this, we know that that's just silly, that that's just, that's just not, not something that's important. And, and in the same way, that's actually something the way that God works and moves as well. And we can sort of limit and, and, and not be experiencing the fullness of what he has for us in that way as well. And what Paul is saying is if you zoom in on your gifts or your experience, you'll feel superior and you'll miss what God is doing in others. 
you'll miss the way that he's moving in others, where it may not be like the way that he moves in you. Please don't get me wrong with any of this as well. I'm not, I'm not saying that anybody who claims the Holy Spirit is doing something through them, that it is. There's, there's plenty of people who, who do things, who say, God told me this, or the Holy Spirit did this, that, that they didn't. And, and there's, there's a need for discernment. There's a need for clear thinking. But, but there's also a need for openness to God, not limiting God as well. So Paul keeps talking through this. He says, say, say, say we're thinking that some gifts or some people are weak and we don't need them. Paul says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. You see, that's God's desire and heart. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When, when you hurt your hand, you don't, you, don't say, you don't necessarily say, that hurt my hand. You just say, that hurt. Right? Like, if you, if you, if you stub your toe... You don't say, oh, my big toe is sore. You might, but you might just say, my foot is sore. You might just say, I'm sore. Like, like we, we, our bodies work together. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying to zoom out and see the big picture that, that God has designed things this way, that, that he actually has a body of believers that are, that are to be united and together, using their gifts together and building each, up to get each, building each other up together that, that there's this unity that the idea of division and, and, and superiority and inferiority is, is in no ways God's desire and is in no ways what, what is, is meant to be the case. But, Paul, but the problem is, is that they, they're not seeing this big picture of you and they're missing what God's design, what God's plan is in these gifts in the first place. So just to summarize where we go, so that's 1 Corinthians 12. There's a tiny little bit at the end that I just we're not going to get to because we're going to run out of time. But, but this is a summary. What, this, is, this is basically a big picture, zoomed out view of spiritual gifts. And, and this is what it is, that all who know Christ have the Spirit. All have gifts, whether they be seemingly very natural, normal things that the Spirit can use, or whether they be amazing, miraculous things that the Spirit can use. And there's a variety of them. All gifts, services, and activities are important. God uses them. They're empowered by God. They're needed. And they are all to be used for the good of all. It's about giving, moving from this narrow self-focus to this broad self-giving idea. Next week, we're going to talk about something awesome in 1 Corinthians 13 because Paul basically zooms out even further and says, I'm going to tell you something that's more important than any of this that goes bigger than any of this. You have to come next week to find out about that. Or just read the Bible. You can do that. So just to take away from today, I'm going to give you a couple of questions and India is going to come and lead us in communion just as a response to this as well. So this week or tonight, um, I don't know how this has spoken to you. I hope it's spoken into your heart. I hope it's given you some freedom. I hope it's, I hope it's drawn you to value the body, to value the ways maybe God has gifted you. This is what I want you to think about this week, today, tomorrow, sometime, maybe pray through. How can I use the gift I've been given for the benefit of all? Because you have something. You may not even think 
that you do, maybe, maybe it's time to ask God, what, God, what gifts have you given me? What have you given me to serve and to give? And we can ask him for more as well. We can, maybe, maybe there's a gift that you really want. You can ask God for it. The Spirit can give them, but we have to ask him. So how, how can I use the gifts I've been given for the benefit of all? And then to reflect, how have I zoomed in and limited what the Spirit may do in myself and in others? And it goes both ways again. How have I zoomed in? Maybe I'm only focused on supernatural things and missing all the th- things that just seem really normal that God is doing. Or maybe I'm just so zoomed in and so afraid of anything powerful and miraculous that I'm missing all the things that maybe God could be doing as well. Just to reflect on those things as well over this week.